Okay, brethren, at this time, we're blessed for our second message of today, brought to us by Pastor Steve Andrews. It is entitled, First Things First. Several years ago, this... uh, Thank you for putting that up there. <laughs> Always does it. Um, Stephen R. Covey wrote a book called First Things First. And it kind of had a firestorm through the corporate world. And in a way, it fits a lot into to some of the things that we do in our, in our own life. And it's called the Seven, you can have seven habits of highly effective people, or, and of course, he, that was one of the books that he wrote, and first things first. And, and one of the, the examples that he used was to take two bowls, and he would pour, uh, the, he used plastic <laughs> instead of uh, sand, but he would pour this plastic in one of the bowls, fill it up, they were little plastic beads, and he would fill it up, and he would ask this lady, because there were some big rocks there with various things that, uh, that were chores in the business, in the corporate business. So he had this thing all filled up with all these rocks, these small pebbles, and he said, now, look, try to put these big rocks in this bowl now, but you can't go across the top of it. First rock she picks up, sets it on there, goes right across the top. And so then he begins to explain, so what's, what's going, what's wrong? What, what's happened? Why are you not able to put those larger rocks in that bowl? So then he explains, well, then he pours all these small rocks out back into another bowl. He puts the larger rocks in the empty bowl. And then he pours the small rocks on top of the large rocks, fills the bowl up. And not only does he fill the bowl up, but then he takes water and fills the bowl with water. And the point was, from first things first, is you take the more important things and you do them first. You make them the most valuable part of your life. In the spiritual realm, we talk about Bible studies, prayer. Those things are important. And they would be, should be the first things that we think about every day, along with our salvation and all these other things. But this is Youth Day. So I was thinking, our, our young adults are faced with a lot of different decisions and a lot of things that they're going to have to go through. And I'm going to use some of my own young people's names. I hope they don't mind. I think my son Zach, he's been looking for a job. So that's one item in his life that he's, he's, that, that's been kind of out in the front. Another one I, I was really surprised. I was driving Katie in the car well, what would you like to do? And she says, I want to buy a fast car. 
<laughs> so, uh, so Katie has, a, I, I, I put down a little uh, note, fast car for Katie. I think Hannah is thinking about doing some, some college. So today, college is coding, you know, the coding college. We have three young ladies and a whole family that are looking for a new home. So uh, the, the Andrews clan is moving closer to, to us. And so we have them that that's a, could be a fairly large rock for them. That's kind of a large rock in their life to find a, a new home that they can live in. These young people will someday want to find a mate. And I pray, and I pray that they will take heed to the scriptures and find someone that is compatible and also that believes the same as they do because living with someone that is, does not believe can be very difficult. Not impossible, but very difficult. And so then they will experience that other thing called marriage. So all of these are little rocks that are out there. But are they the most important rocks that go in that bowl? Are they the most important thing that they should be thinking about? From our perspective, from the Bible's perspective, from the, the biblical perspective, the most important things are is that they begin to, to learn about God, who God is, Jesus Christ, who's Jesus, to understand that this is the Word of God. And also, eventually, a a very large rock that might go on top of that. These would be the most important rocks in there. But another large one would be to finally accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and be baptized. So I would like for them, even though they have all of these other things that they have in their life, and it's a part of what they, their makeup they want to do, you know, we don't know what the society is going to be like, but we pray that they will still have a good life. They'll still be able to, to enjoy the things they want to enjoy. But I, we also hope that they will turn to God. So, when it comes to first things in the, in the spiritual realm and in, in understanding what would be the first thing that you should do if you're going to... Just, to find out about God and Jesus, besides um, reading the Bible. When I, was, when I was a young man, first coming into this way, prophecy seems to be one of the very, uh, just was always being preached. And so, consequently, I, um, the book of Revelation uh, and different different prophecies I would order and, and read and try to, to, to get understanding of the different prophecies. As I got older, and it became more evident that I wanted to know more about God. I wanted to understand God himself. And so, 
one of the scriptures that really stood out and has been standing out for a very long time to me, and is something that, that all of our young people could turn to if they would like. It says in verse 6 of chapter 11 of Hebrews, and you can read it there, but without faith, and, and Ian was, made a good point, this is trust, trusting God. And in the, in the King James it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. You must believe that God exists. If you are living in a society that we're living in today, and you're going to the, the, the schools of today, you are probably indoctrinated in the, in the evolutionary theory. And they are going to, to pound it into your head that you came from a pond, uh, and lightning hit it, and all the chemicals in there all came together, and zap, your ear. <laughs> so the first thing, first things first, find out about God. We'll talk about the second part here in a minute. So, one of the things we can do is we can read Hebrews 11.1. 1. And 11.1 1 is very interesting because it's very specific. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Well, if you go in and look at that, that's an assurance. The trust, there's a, there is an assurance of things hoped for. We all hope for the kingdom of God. And so it says, you are assured of that if you believe God. For the evidence, uh, for, uh, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. That also can mean conviction. But I like the word evidence, because I think, in a way, there is a lot of evidence out there to know God, to see who He is, and to appreciate the power that God has. I want to read one more, a couple more scriptures here before I show you something, a couple of things, that I think will help to spark your thinking about this. And I didn't plan on it being a very long message today. So let's go to Isaiah, the 40th chapter. And let's just read a few verses here. As we have gone through Isaiah a lot this, this feast, and it's, it is a tremendous blessing that God has provided this because there is so much information. And it opens and reveals about God and about his plan and different things. So at the beginning, I'm not going to read all of it. I just want to start in verse 25. To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal? If we look in the Bible and we see the things that God says... And then we go look for evidence. That's the important thing that we should be doing. And as young people, you have a tremendous blessing. When I was young, I had to go dig into all kinds of books everywhere. You can get on the internet. You can hit the keys. And your world will open up about God and his creation. Says the Holy One, lift up your eyes on high. Well, if you want to, get on and look at Hubble and all that the Hubble telescope 
and it begins to see more and more and more of what God has created. And behold, who has created these things that brings out their host by number. He calls them all by names, <laughs> by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, and not one fails. Why say you, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden uh, from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Have you not known, have you not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. That means we're going to be spirit beings and we are going to have a lot of power and not be able, you know, we're not going to have this 72-year-old body that can hardly get up out of a chair or out of a bed sometimes. We are going to have a great glorious body that we can run or go places instantaneously and do the things that we want. And young people, this is your heritage. God is infinite. He wants a lot of sons in his kingdom. And so we, we have an opening for all of us. Paul makes one statement here, just a very, I don't want to read all of this. This is Romans 1 and verse 17. And everybody's very familiar. You read very much of this, probably gets um, repeated quite a bit because of the days that we live in. He was very astute at that time because they had a lot of the same things that we have today. For um, in verse uh, seven, 17 through 20. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath is, of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest them, for God has showed it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In, um, several years ago, Matthew actually saw a ad for... Uh, th the intelligent design people, and we went to Oklahoma City on a whim, not really understanding completely, although I'd, I'd had a little bit of a, uh, a touch of it. And boy, was I ever pleasantly surprised. These guys that are in the intelligent design are very <laughs> intelligent themselves. And they are very much able to articulate that there is a great creator and that he has created all that we see and the very intricate things that we can't see are far more complex than we ever really realize. This is only about a three minute clip that Brian is going to, to play for us. And it's not the complete clip or complete YouTube 
video that's there and available. But there will be a, um, a start to this, and you can go in and watch. I think it's like a whole hour of this, but I'm not, of course, we won't play all of it. But I wanted to show you this first part of it. And we have talked about this before more than once about uh, the intelligent design, and especially about Dr. Behe and what he discovered in the, the tiniest, littlest things that he has discovered. Brian? For thousands of years, humans have invented ways to propel themselves through water. But long before humans invented their propulsion systems, nature developed its own methods of moving through liquid space, not only in fish and other large aquatic creatures, but in organisms so tiny they cannot be seen by the naked eye. Perhaps the most amazing propulsion system on our entire planet is one that exists in bacteria. It's called the flagellum a miniature propeller driven by a motor with many distinct mechanical parts, each made of proteins. The flagellum's motor resembles a human-designed rotary engine. It has a universal joint, bushings, a stator, and a rotor. It has a drive shaft and even its own clutch and braking system. In some bacteria, the flagellar motor has been clocked at 100,000 revolutions per minute. The motor is bi-directional and can shift from forward to reverse almost instantaneously. Some scientists suggest it operates at near 100% energy efficiency. All of this is done on a microscopic scale that is hard to imagine. The diameter of the flagella motor is no more than five millionths of a centimeter. The bacterial flagellum is one of many molecular machines that scientists have discovered in the last several decades, including energy-producing turbines, information-copying machines, and even robotic walking motors. The origin of these exquisite examples of nanotechnology is a mystery that has generated heated controversy among biologists over the past two decades. And it's a mystery that has transformed one man into a scientific rebel willing to challenge one of the most cherished ideas of the scientific establishment. And that's so small of what they've discovered. <laughs> that little old short clip is so small of what they have discovered. The power of God is so infinite and so powerful. All of these things are working inside our body and we just function. We're going and functioning. I would like to uh, bring up the, uh, let's bring up the, the code pick. Yes, this one here. We, 
Computers work in two forms, on and off. That's all they work in, on and off. And yet, look at what we've done with on and off. How, how come? We can make all kinds of things uh, work out. And Brian and Rick, and Matt, or a lot of you are all in, in the computer business. And every time you sit down to a computer, what do you do? You, in the background, it's just hundreds and thousands of on-off switches just going off and on very constantly as you do your work, and you never know that it's happening. Let me see the other slide. The DNA. Until recently, with high-speed, large-volume computers, they were not able to actually crack the DNA. Because, and I think there's one that's missing. I think there's five of those. Now that's just um, uh, uh, the DNA uh, strand there. But it's even more complex. And so if you're really interested in looking into this a little bit, you can go to the, the Genome Project and be overwhelmed very quickly. <laughs> it, 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 will, it will blow your mind how much information is in one cell. One cell, how much information is in it. And God has created this. He, he's, the, he's the advanced programmer. He doesn't use zero, ones and zeros. It uses five separate um, protein type things that he works with and has a five uh, deal code that he can work with and makes it so complex. And we get up, we walk around, and these little machines are working inside of us all the time. And as young people, you, you're growing in, in this. You can understand the power of God. You can understand his creative power by just going onto the internet, typing a few things, and see how he is doing. Anyway, a couple more things. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and I'll finish up here in just about one minute. Well, maybe a little bit longer than that, because I want to show you another video. 1 Corinthians 15, and just a couple, three verses here. Just 1 Corinthians 15, 36 to 38. Here it is. You fool, that which you sow is not made alive except it die. And that which you sow, you sow not that body that shall be but bore grain, that it may chance of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as it is pleased him, and every seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another fishes, and other birds. There's also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So is the resurrection of the dead. Sown in, sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. I don't know how many times I've tried to, be, uh, to bring this out. It's been quite a few. But God has already given us an example. If we've got that spirit dwelling in us, even if we die, we will come alive. 
the seeds have, if they're heirloom seeds, they have that in them that God has put there. They look dead. A seed looks totally dead. But when you plant it, it comes alive. Just real quickly, the beans. Uh, time lapse, 25 days. I think it's just like two minutes long, something like that, from G phase. with that one. I think that, oops, if I don't fall. Uh, I think if you were real observant, you noticed that God has programmed the roots to go down. Why? Because the roots need to go down and the plant to go up. Everything that you see that, like that, you can see God's infinite wisdom in how he created something. Real quick, uh, just two more uh, scriptures. 
beginning in verse 39. Let's see, I read through 44, I read all of that. So I went, um, I read all of that. So let's just go to one last scripture here to realize John 6 and verse 51. We read this on the uh, Passover, but I think it's very appropriate for today. Get there. Jesus says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And that bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the whole world. Brethren, God is the most infinite, most wonderful. His Son is so beautiful and wonderful, loving, loves us all, and has a tremendous future, as we heard about the wedding, that I hope we're all participating in.